What's going on, everybody? I'm your host, Anthony Robles, and welcome to the Unstoppable Podcast. I just want to thank you for listening and for your support. Really, it's an honor. If you want to give me some feedback, maybe you have some ideas for potential guests, or you just want to share how an episode might have motivated you, feel free to reach out to me on Facebook and Instagram. Just look me up at The Unstoppable Podcast, or email me at theunstoppablepodcast at gmail.com. My guest today is actor Robert Patrick probably best known for portraying the T-1000, the only thing bad enough to kick Arnold Schwarzenegger's butt in Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Are you the legal guardian of John Connor? That's right, officer. What's he done now? Could I speak with him, please? Could if you were here. Do you have a photograph of John? Yeah, sure, hold on. I just need to ask him a few questions. He's a good-looking boy. Do you mind if I keep this picture? Yeah, a big guy on a bike. Has that got something to do with this? No. I wouldn't worry about him. Thanks for your cooperation. Which happens to be one of my all-time favorite films. He's also known for his many, many other roles, from television Scorpion, True Blood, X-Files, The Unit. Too many great roles to list them all here. But what most people don't know about him is that his dream, his goal, almost stopped before it even started. Today we're going to talk about the accident that almost killed him, the motorbikes that got him through, and how sometimes we just can't listen to the people we love the most. I'm Anthony Robles, and welcome to the Unstoppable Podcast. What does unstoppable mean to you? Unstoppable is just a, is just a mindset and a way of life. I think it's just uh, not being, being afraid to fail. Relentless. I can accomplish anything I want to accomplish. When I set my priorities right, when I walk with God, and when, again, I, I live with that mindset, being the best that I can be at every moment. I think there's nothing more powerful on earth than the human will. Anthony Robles has shown us that impossible is nothing. Anthony Robles is a national champion. You're listening to the Unstoppable Podcast with Anthony Robles, brought to you by Safe Streets. Please welcome today's special guest, actor Robert Patrick. Hey everyone, before we start this episode, I'd like to take a moment to recognize our sponsor. Protect your home this holiday season with Safe Streets. Right now, you can get a free doorbell camera and $100 Visa gift card with new system activation and installation. Reserve your free doorbell from Safe Streets today. Call 844-980-SAFE or visit safestreets.com slash unstoppable. All right, Mr. Patrick, how are you doing today, sir? Anthony, I'm doing just great, buddy. How are you? I'm doing extremely well, just trying to keep cool out here in Arizona. But thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. I'm a huge fan. Well, I'm super excited and a big fan of yours. And, of course, my friend, uh, our mutual friend, Gary, speaks so highly of you. And I look forward to someday meeting you. Oh, yes, sir. That would be an honor. Definitely. But uh, I know you're a busy guy, so I don't want to take up too much of your time. But I mean, man, you just had such an amazing, an amazing career. I mean, in, in film in television. And so I was just curious, when did you have that moment where you decided that acting was what you wanted to do with your life? You know, it's a curious question. And uh, I know that uh, I know that you're a big goal setter and uh, you've overcome uh, so much in your life. And had obstacles that you've had to uh, to uh, deal with, 
it's uh, it's always interesting to me what actually uh, makes you do what you do. And at some point, I had failed in a couple other things that I thought I wanted to do. And in the back of my mind, I had enjoyed acting as a as a young young man. I I did the first play I did was uh, in third grade, and it wasn't something I took serious. But I began to take it very serious when I failed at some of the things I thought I was going to do. And uh, I didn't want to give up on the fact that I thought I, I was I was born to do something, you know, uh, unique, mm-hmm. I think. I, I, uh, maybe, yeah, I wanted my life to be extraordinary or, or at least feel like I was pursuing something that was uh, not average. And uh, I had always enjoyed acting. And uh, it was one of those things when you're, not born into it it's how do you get into it you know mm-hmm. yeah for many years i uh uh i put it off and uh finally uh i was awakened uh startled in a pretty extraordinary way and uh i felt like god was really pushing me in that direction and uh i uh worked up the uh, intestinal fortitude let's say to really pursue it. Um, and it was sort of a last ditch effort to give, you know, meaning to my life and my eyes from my point of view, point of view of, uh, of going after something that was pretty challenging. That was a long answer. <laughs> no, that's a great answer. Actually, I, I know you mentioned God and that's something that my mom, she always used to tell me growing up. She'd always tell me, you know, God made you this way for a reason. And being born missing my leg, I, I just struggled finding finding what that reason was. And I, I think I kind of can relate in a way because I was always trying to find that one unique thing that my life was destined to do or, or to be. And when I got into wrestling, it, it was that, you know, it, it was that moment where I said, okay, this is, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. But I know for me getting into wrestling, there are a lot of people who, who doubted me and who didn't think I was capable of competing at a certain level. So, you know, when you did make that decision to really just dive into acting hundred percent, were there people who who doubted you, who kind of thought you were crazy or that you would not succeed? Yeah, and, you know, that's interesting, and I love what you brought up about, uh, you know, how, how it dawned on you that you wanted to pursue wrestling. And, um, I, you know, I had a grandfather that died when I was five years old that was a lieutenant colonel in the United States Army, and he was a huge impact on my life, uh, sort of a mythical character in my, uh, you know, my childhood and uh, – even though I was around him a lot, and uh, he was a very imposing lieutenant colonel in the United States Army at Fort Bragg. And when he died, I, I think as a child, I just committed to the fact that he was going to be there to take care of me always, no matter what I, what I, what I was going to do. So that gave me some confidence. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, to believe that if I you know, set my mind to it and um, went for it, uh, he was going to be there and uh, in anything in life, mm-hmm. you know, no matter what I was doing from the time I was five on. And then I, I had some disappointments and it's, uh, you know, disappointments are huge learning experiences for you. And you're not sure why things are not working out. But if you believe in God and you believe that it's ultimately it's his plan, that gives you the confidence just to keep going and put one foot in front of the other. And, Anthony, I'm going to tell you a story. I'm going to try not to get too descriptive about it, but it was literally a boating accident that 
I survived. I swam three and a half miles and saved four other participants on this boat. And during this swim in Lake Erie, I realized it was it was it was really God kind of waking me up to the fact that I was wasting my life and not not really pursuing anything. And I had been praying for motivation and uh, some sort of inspiration of what it is that I'm supposed to do. And the boat accident really woke me up and I, I when I once I we had saved everybody I by the time I had swam into shore I had decided that I was going to drop everything that I was doing and just commit to going to Hollywood and pursuing it in my mind I had worked it out that if I can survive swimming in uh, Lake Erie after this this boat wreck that uh, our boat being sunk that uh, I could survive anything and I, I had a, I had 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 a, a football coach that had told me that you know you you write your goals down on a card, a little index card, and you say them to yourself in the morning when you get up, and you say them to yourself at night aloud before you go to bed, hmm. and you set those goals and and you 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 pursue them and that that. All that wrapped into it really made me realize that you know I've got to do it, and that's that's kind of how it happened. Um, I set my goal, get to Hollywood, and 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 give it a shot. You know what do you got to lose? Yeah. And I he had also told me never share your goals. Never share your goals with anybody. Share them with everybody because for the very reason that you asked me that question. Hmm. If you share your goals with too many people. People that are around you, friends, family, they're gonna they're gonna shoot them down. They're gonna tell you all the reasons why you can't. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, you know what I mean. Yeah. And they're gonna say you can't do this because, or what makes you think you can do this? What if you fail? They put it's like if you share your goals with too many people, those people will poison your brain, your thought process. They will poison your optimistic attitude that you can accomplish something they'll cut it down and it's not that they mean to i don't believe it's malicious i just think it's the negative programming that's in some people so i hadn't really i'd kind of kept it a secret that that's what i wanted to pursue but once i kind of announced everybody that's where i was going you know some people very close to me you know uh, said some things that uh, were negative and not really backing my decision, because you know, you can imagine you're you're in Cleveland, Ohio, and uh, you, you announce that you're going to go out to Hollywood, and everybody—it's all the negative stuff that they know about. Oh Lord, if you go out there, you know, you're going to end up doing this, or you're going to end up doing this, and this is going to happen to you. So they they sort of paint the picture before it's even uh, started by you, and. Uh, that happened. I, I can't say that I had a lot of people saying, go for it. I had more people telling me, you're a fool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that because something I do that's kind of similar, I, I write, like to write down my goals as well. I have them in, on a little sticky note and started doing that. My first goal as a freshman wrestler was to, to be a state champion. So I wrote that down, but I never really thought about, about it that way where you said, you know, don't really share it with too many people because then that negativity will come down on you. I guess in a way they set you up for failure, you know, and they put it in your mind to where you're going to fail. And one of my favorite quotes, it says, don't be afraid to fail. Be afraid to not try. You know, I mean, I think that's, that's, that's a the great quote. Thing. 
yeah, you know, it's just, you, you can't regret, uh, you're, you trying, you never regret trying, you know, you always regret just not making an effort, not seeing what might happen, you know, what if. What if, yeah, exactly right. And I'll tell you, you, you got to live your life not worried, you know, it's, it, it's the, the whole fear concept, you know, the whole negative programming that people have, and they can't help it, they're born into an environment, their programming is is, is such that they're trying to do something spectacular has been taken from them. It's been robbed from them for, for whatever reason. And that's really what you've got to protect yourself against. And I think that's what that very wise football coach, old Rich Roy, I wonder if he's still alive. I hope he is, you know, write those goals down. Don't share them with anyone, but you know, you're, you're obviously you're going to share them with God mm-hmm. and uh, you know, and, and uh, if it's the, the right thing that you should be doing, it's in his hands and, he at least knows, you know, the, the, the course that you're trying to chart. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yes. I, I you know, you, he knows he knows where you're headed, and you can share him with God, of course, but, uh, you know, never go to another individual. And I, I still to this day am um, very reluctant to share what my goals are for the year and what I'm trying to do. Uh, I keep it close. And you, you share with, with the number one person who's – Who's most important, right? The, the the one upstairs. That's absolutely right. And uh, I think that, you know, you get a lot of this in the Bible when you're reading it. The thoughts and the, the words you say are very, very powerful. And our own worst enemy is, is ourselves, the thoughts that are in our head and the bad thinking that we have going on that uh, limits us. We're really boundless. We really should be capable of doing anything and everything we want to do. You know, another another great quote. I mean, so many people are afraid of, gosh, you know, I rode my motorcycle across the country. I do it every year, and everybody's like, oh, gosh, you know, be careful. You know, it's that whole thing. It's <laughs> like uh, I'm not really worried about how I'm going to die. I'm, I'm more worried about how I'm going to live, hmm. and I want to live, and I want to live my life to the fullest. You, you know what I'm saying. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you're talking about living your life it's to not the fullest. Yeah, you try to live it in whatever way it is that you can do within your talents and all that and live your life to your fullest. Yeah. It's all about, you know, you, you set those goals, you have those dreams. It's just about that relentless pursuit for it. You know, you, you give it your best and no matter what the outcome is, you can walk away. If, if you fail, at least, you know, you left it all on the table. You know, I mean, that was one of the things I stepped you, on a wrestling mat, win or lose. If I gave it my all, I could walk away proud regardless of the outcome. Absolutely. At least you tried. Mm-hmm. At least you tried. You know what I mean? At, at least you went after it. You didn't edit yourself. You went for it. I think that's the way to live life. And I constantly try and do, uh, challenge myself that way. Yes, sir. And I try to instill that in my kids. You know, don't limit yourself. Don't you do it. Mm-hmm. You know, don't do it to yourself. Yeah. Let, let, let yourself dream and... Uh, set your goals, what you want to try to do, and go after it. You know, at the end of the day, you will regret it if you don't. Hey, everyone. I hope you're enjoying this episode. Before we get back to it, I'd like to take a moment to recognize our sponsor. Staying safe is more important now than ever before, which is why Safe Streets is one of my favorite companies. Safe Streets is the only authorized provider of ADT monitoring in the country, making them industry experts in home security and automation. Right now, Safe Streets has a special offer for our audience. Get a free doorbell camera and $100 Visa gift card with new system activation and installation. To reserve your Safe Streets offer today, call 844-980-SAFE. That's 
844-980-7233. You're definitely right. I mean, my mom, she raised me with my head in the clouds, you know? So it's like, you set that bar high, you, you aim as high as you can and just go for it. Like there's, don't, don't worry about, you know, not succeeding or, you know, I mean, set the bar as high as you possibly can. And no matter what happens, you're still going to end up all right. Yeah, you'll be, you'll be all right. You know, that applies to a lot of different things. You know, you've got to be willing to assume the risk involved in an endeavor. You know, what's the risk? Am mm-hmm. I willing to assume that risk? If I am and I go for it and I'm successful, there you go. But if I don't, I'm not going to be successful. The only chance I've got at success is to at least go for it. Yeah. You can't, you can't, you can't succeed if you're not willing to fail. Absolutely yeah. right. You know, you get the goal, you, you make the plan up, and then just 100 percent effort. That's that's all you can do, right? That's all you can do. And then, you know, I'm my my own worst enemy myself personally. <laughs> I, I I've had a, a a great success in my career, and I've I do battle the negative stuff, and um, I also you know had a a, a battle with drugs and alcohol and. Uh, uh, that set me back and hindered me quite a bit, and it also uh, it impedes your relationship, your healthy relationship with with God, and that's something that I've dealt with, and I've uh, I've challenged it, and I've overcome it, and I've had 24 years of sobriety. Wow, that's amazing. So I'm very proud of that. That's a major a major accomplishment for me. But I at, at the height of my career, when I had the biggest success in my career, I uh, afterwards the only way I could deal with it was to uh, get back into uh, drinking a lot and uh, it was a bad choice it was a bad choice i wasn't listening to everything i'm telling you and uh and i wasn't really listening to uh myself and or god and what i should be doing and you know i paid the price for it mm-hmm. i paid the price for it. it sort of stalled my career right after t2 hmm. and uh you know i put that on me I, I did that. Sometimes we are very self-destructive. Yeah. You know, the, the way I see it, I mean, when we go through life, we each kind of come across our own opponents that we have to wrestle. You know, maybe it's, a, maybe it's something we can see, maybe it's something we can't see, but we all have our own challenges that we have to overcome in this life. And sometimes we get knocked down. Sometimes it might seem to get the best of us for the moment. But what matters, and to me, what that word unstoppable is, is that you fight through it. You get back up and you, you just go to the end. You know, you don't give up. You, you stumble, but you keep moving. Yeah, you have a really, really amazing philosophy and attitude. I think you're at a higher level than I am myself. I'm, uh, I trip and fall, and sometimes I do get up and, and keep going. But uh, I'm my own worst enemy sometimes. Mm-hmm. So I'm challenged. I have, you know, I have an, you know, you have an inner challenge, you know. Mm-hmm. But the beautiful thing is, and what I'm really grateful for is that I have God, because as long as I have God, I have hope. And then as long as I have hope, I can somehow find my way out of it. You know, we've mentioned a couple of things that I've overcome. I mean, I, I had a, a boating accident. I, I, I overcame uh, negative programming and uh, found my way out there and, and had, a, had a very big success. And then I, I stumbled and faltered a little bit. But, I, you know, I did keep, you know, get back up and keep going. And mm-hmm. I am proud of the, uh, the life I've carved out and my marriage to my wife and uh, it's 30 years this year and I've got two kids and uh, so there's, there's a lot. To, uh, thank you. There's a lot of things that I'm very grateful for. 
you know, I, I didn't stop. And I, I don't think, uh, I, you know, I, I think never quitting is obviously, it's probably the most important two words you can say and uh, when life throws it at you. And, you know, I've got, I got a lot of things I'm dealing with right now that are really challenging uh, uh, business-wise. And we're all going through this pandemic together. This is when you have to get down on your knees and pray for strength to keep going. And uh, that's what I'm trying to do. And I'm sure you are too. Yes, sir. Definitely. And, and that's one of the things that I wanted to mention as well is, you know, we, we do have these matches in our life. We're all dealing with one right now and, uh, but no one can get through it alone. You know, I know you and I, we, we have our faith and we have family and we have those, those friends around us that support us. And I think that's just so important for people to understand is you don't have to do it alone. And I think that's something that I kind of struggle with for a long time is, you know, I wanted, I thought I was tough enough. You know, I, I didn't need to ask for help. I didn't need to lean on anybody, but you know, there's nobody that can, can be successful in this life without someone's help, without leaning on other people. Yeah. And you can think back to all the people that showed you uh, a little bit of kindness that uh, a kind word or, or just something that they said to you that uplifted you and carried you on. And I have certainly those people in my life that, that uh, whether they know it or not, they've said the right thing at the right time. That's just uplifted me and was able to help me uh, with whatever personal challenges I was going through and, and, and made me unstoppable and, and, and allowed me to keep going. It is important, your friends and your family and your people that you have around you. And most importantly, it's your relationship with God. I mean, I can't, I can't fathom how anyone can deal with the challenges of uh, this world without God in their life. I, 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 I have a great deal of sympathy for them because I, I couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. I, I couldn't I, do it. Could you? I definitely couldn't, and I, I haven't. <laughs> Even on my, my lowest days, I, I still think back to what my mom told me. You know, God made you this way for reasons. It's like, man, he, he's not going to let me down. You know, I, I might not see the plan right now. It might seem like just darkness all around me, but it's like I, I just got to have faith, and he hasn't let me down to this point. No, uh, uh you and you're doing so well. Oh, Tell me thanks. about that record you set doing the the pull-ups. <laughs> well, thank you. You I'm had just... an eighty eighty-pound sack on your back, backpack. I was gonna try to be there that day. <laughs> oh, that would have been awesome. Oh, we we had we had a good time that that NASCAR race. It, it was an eighty-pound pack, and you know I had been lifting and bulking up. I put about ten pounds of muscle mass on me. So, but I mean, just to have the crowd there and just yelling, it, it fired me up. But I I could not move my arms after that was done i had to just sit down and <laughs> just just lay, lay there for a little bit it was uh it was rough but uh i'm thinking the next one i'm going after is a hundred pound pack record so we'll see how it goes good lord i have been working out pretty intense for a movie that didn't happen i was uh i was going to play a football player a uh, christian fella that goes back and plays college football at the age of 59 so i had been working out last year i was in fantastic shape but i Unfortunately, kind of let it slide a little bit, but uh, it's great when you get working out and you're, uh, you get into that rhythm where it's just happening all the time. It's tough when you pick it up and, and, and walk away. So yeah. I'm looking for some motivation right now, Anthony, to get back to it. <laughs> well, one of these days we'll have to get a workout in together. <laughs> you're going to have to do it. Get some pull-ups in with me. Do it. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Now, you know, I, I have to ask, uh, I mean, like I said, I'm a huge fan and my uncle, my mom's brother, we, I call him my Nino because he's my godfather. So right. my Nino, I mean, he's a huge Terminator 2 fan and so am I. So, I mean, 
I mean, you playing the T-1000, man, that was just so awesome. I remember being a kid, I was mimicking the way you're running with your hands and I mean, the whole thing. Were there any funny or, or memorable moments when you were working on the set of that movie, of Terminator 2? Oh, yeah. There was a, there was a couple of funny moments. Uh, uh, one in particular, uh, I don't know if you remember this scene, but Arnold had his arm behind his back and he had a prosthetic arm where his arm was supposed to be and there was a certain point he was laying on his his stomach side mm -hmm. and I've got this huge metal rod and I whack him about four times in the back and uh, there was a specific spot I was supposed to hit so I didn't hit his arm and I mean James Cameron had me sending the uh, the, the rod into his back of course it was a rubber but it was still it was still hard enough that it, it didn't it wasn't wobbling around so it, was, it, it would still hurt you uh -huh. i hit him once in the wrong spot and he turned back around once the take was over he didn't flinch you know he, mm -hmm. we, we did the take and he turned he looked back at me and he went robert that was my arm <laughs> which was pretty hilarious I was pretty scared from then on because we had another fight scene to do, and I thought, God, man, what if who? he retaliates? He's a big man. He, oh, that, yeah. You talk about that, that guy. That's a formidable individual. Can't imagine who would not be scared in your situation. That <laughs> He was so great while we were filming. You talk about – let's talk about Arnold for a second. That guy, look at what he has accomplished in his lifetime. Think about it. He came here from Austria as a bodybuilder, got into the movies, successful bodybuilder, probably yeah. the most successful bodybuilder of all time. If anything, he's probably the guy that most popularized that sport. Definitely. And 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 elevated that sport to a whole new level. Hell, I remember growing up watching him on ABC Wide World of Sports with, you know, those guys interviewing him, the Austrian Oak. Mm -hmm. Then he gets into uh, motion pictures. And he becomes the top, you know, box office draw for a decade there. And uh, and he by then he was already a successful businessman. He had put himself through business school, figured out how to make money, and uh, made the right investments. And uh, then he goes on to be the governor. Yeah. Talking about hard work, having the dream. That's the American dream right there. That is the American dream. I mean, Arnold Schwarzenegger personifies the American dream. I mean, you can't get much better than that. He came from a foreign country, came here as an immigrant, and and uh, got all the way to the governor of the state of California. It's amazing. Yeah, he, he's it's an amazing individual. Absolutely. I mean, and and he was very. You know what? He was great, Anthony, when we were filming. Because I look, I was a complete unknown guy, mm -hmm. right? And I I get that movie. I'd given myself five years to make it in Hollywood. I had been living in my car when I first got to Hollywood. I didn't know anybody. I didn't I didn't have anybody to call to help me get into the business. But my headset, my my mindset was in in the right place. I was like, it's, it's all right. It's all going to work. And you know, one thing just folded after another. I I got a job. I got out of my car. I started li li working at this restaurant. I met this guy. I started waiting tables. They were doing a play. I did the play. Somebody saw me in the play. They asked me to audition for this movie. I auditioned for it. I got it. Then another movie and another movie and another movie, all for Roger Corman, the king of the B movies. And then I finally got into the SAG uh, Screen Actors Guild through Roger Corman. I auditioned for Die Hard 2. I did another play. I auditioned for T2. 
and I got that. Just what you're talking about. I mean, just the the faith of of taking that chance oh, to go I, out there. Yeah, I, I just it it just sort of all happened. I mean, it, it it there was a lot of struggle in between there, but it, everything sort of just fell into place for me. You know, there was some, there was some bartending jobs and painting of houses and things like that while I was doing while I was in between those films. But you know, it just worked out one way after another. And uh, there I find myself, you know, starring opposite the biggest box office draw of the decade. How did that happen? You know what I mean? But I'll tell yeah. you one thing. Let's go back to the start of this conversation, Anthony. If I hadn't have gone out there, it never would have happened. Exactly. So if I had listened to everybody saying, don't go, I never would have been the T-1000. You're exactly right, which brings me into my, my next question that I had for you. I mean, you've achieved so much success in your career, but it wouldn't have happened without you taking that leap of faith. You know, do you have any advice for people who – who might have that goal, but they're just, they're nervous. You know, they're afraid of failing. So they're not sure if they want to chase after what they really want. Can I tell you something? I've had people ask me, I want to get into acting. How do I do it? And I say, you don't need to ask me. And if you got to ask me, you shouldn't do it Hmm. because I have no idea. And that's the God's truth. And I don't mean that in a mean way. I just, I, I, I don't know. I mean, my story's my story, you know. Dylan McDermott's story's his story. Arnold's his story. If you if you're hesitant, you're probably not starting off in the right place. Once I decided what I was going to do, I knew I was going to be successful. Mm-hmm. I was convinced of it, and I went after it. The goal setting that you and I both have, that programming of setting a goal and going for it, and then you immediately start believing you're going to make it happen. If you can't believe you're going to make it happen in your own mind, then how the hell are you going to make it happen? Exactly. Right. Yep. That's that programming, that that goal setting of reading it to yourself and really meditating on it, more or less. It's a mantra. That's that's what I tell people. I mean, you don't have to ask me for advice because I don't I don't have any advice other than set a goal and go for it. Don't tell anybody about it. Do it. Yep. Just do it. Don't look to others for. Uh, well, how do you think I'm going to do it? I mean, how should I do it? What do you think I should do? What's Do you have any advice? My advice: just do it. It and if time. it's really in your mindset that you're going to achieve it, you'll do it. I love it. Right? Yes, sir. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. kind of brutal, though. Yeah. It's kind of brutal <laughs> to say that to some kid that's looking at you going, wow, you're the T-1000. I'd like to be an actor. I, I'd really like to be an actor. And I, I hit them with that, and they look at me like, oh. I mean, but I try to be positive about it. I mean, you could do it. Just do it. Yeah. Just I don't know. Relentless. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know how to do it. Yeah, I mean, just go right. out there. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember in a wrestling match, you know, I'm trying to set up a move, and it's like if I hesitated, you know, if I went in for an attack and it's kind of half effort, like I didn't really think I did it, that's when I get in trouble. You know, that's when my opponent gets on top, yeah. when, when he counters me. It's like, no, when you when you make up your mind to do something, to make a move, you got to be all in, fully committed to it, and that's how you, you get the, the takedown. That's how you score the points. That's how you become successful. You know, there's no hesitation. It's just all in and just full blast. Go for it. And, you know, and that's, Anthony, that's the same way with acting. you got to believe, you've got to, acting is more or less really making yourself believe what you are when you're doing what you're doing in front of a camera on stage and believing it. So you got to have the imagination and you've got to have the creativity and the technique to achieve that. But really, it's full-on commitment. And it should be subconscious. It should just be flowing. It should just be happening. It's just like wrestling, you know? I mean... It's the same like there's a great book on acting. It's actually a, a handbook on tennis playing. Hmm. It's uh, the art of playing tennis or something. I can't remember what. But, you know, you can train and train and train and hit and hit and hit a certain way. But when the game's happening, 
you got to let all that go. You just got to play. Let it flow. Same with that. Yeah, let it flow. Exactly. And you're down there on that mat, and you're, you know, you're, you know, you've trained and you're prepped. I have a little wrestling experience. Oh, do you? Oh yeah. When I was in junior high school, and I'm going to tell you, you want me to tell you the end of my wrestling career? I'd love to hear it. Uh, I, might as, I might as well. <laughs> so I was, I, oh God, I wrestled at about 116. I think 138 was the final weight class I was in, and uh, uh, seventh, eighth, and ninth grade, and I was undefeated all the way through junior high. I never wow. lost a match. That's impressive. I know. I know. That's impressive. Thank you, Anthony. <laughs> I'd never lost a match. So my family moved from Kettering, Ohio is where I went to junior high. And we moved to Detroit, where I moved into Detroit, Michigan, a, a community. Farmington was the city. And I ended up going to Farmington High School. And I didn't know anybody. You know, I moved around a lot when I was a kid. So I was, I was used to moving around. And I think that's one of the reasons why I was an actor is because I reinvented myself everywhere I went. You know, I took on a new persona more or less because you got to adapt and meet these new kids and you kind of got to go. And sports was always the way that I endeared myself to these new classmates and stuff when we were moving. I was good baseball, football, and uh, wrestler. Anyway, so I get there and I'm a 10th grade. And I announced that I'm gonna, uh, you know, probably I'm gonna I'm playing football. And there's a there's a guard on our football team that uh, I had heard all these legendary things about. And his name was Mark Chirella. Did you Ooh. ever heard the name Mark Chirella? I know that name very well. Legend in wrestling. Do you? Oh yeah. He's a legend. Okay, so you do know him. Okay, I... good. So he was the right guard of the offensive line. He was 155 pounds. And I moved into Farmington. We went to football camp. So this is all kind of happening really fast. We moved there. I'm in, the, I'm in football camp with the, foot, with the high school football team. I'm starting to hear about this guy, and he's a great guy. I ended up rooming with him in this football camp, him and two other dudes. We had this, you know, the cabin or whatever. There was something just totally different about this guy. Uh, he just kept to himself. He was nice and charming and friendly. The way I recall, but everybody looked at him in awe. As it got closer to wrestling, I had I decided at that point that I was going to be in his weight class. I wasn't going to I wasn't <laughs> going to ruin my perfect record. And I retired from wrestling and ended up working in a supermarket uh, strip mall during between football and baseball to make some money so I could pay for a car. And I got to tell you, Mark was the reason I walked away. I just said, oh, I'm not going to, I can't do three sports. I can't do three <laughs> sports, play football, baseball. I can't do wrestling. I can't commit because the commitment that he had, mm -hmm. he, he, you know, he, he, he was kind of like, he was kind of like, I, I, how do I word this? He drove, he, he drove to school in a yellow Corvette. He kind of kept his own hours and he was always available to do the, the, he was always working on the wrestling year round. When he had a re when they had wrestling matches there at our high school, it was like a basketball game. Everybody from all over came to watch his match. That's awesome. And he would just toy with whoever he was wrestling. You know, it, to, to get a workout even. He would, to, to make sure it would go three periods. Yeah, get this cardio in and, oh yeah. Get, get everything in and then, <laughs> the, and then, you, then you knew when it was coming, the final <laughs> round, you knew it was coming. Well, here's where it, 
here's where he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna pin this guy. Now how's he gonna do it this week? You know what I mean? Oh yeah. And he never lost and, and he was just an animal. And he trained year round. I mean he mm. never he was like maybe the first like professional athlete I think I've ever seen. And he was never out of shape. Mm. Always in shape and always ready to go. And I I know he had a, a training regime that uh, we were all in admiration. But he never, you know, he never went to parties. You know, he never hung out. He never, he never went to parties. And if he did, he he wouldn't drink a beer or anything. He was always in training, and I admired this. And the tragedy of Mark Chirella hmm. was he had been prepping to go to the Olympics, and I know, you know, Dan Grable was camped out at our uh, at our high school. They were trying to get him to go to Iowa. And he ended up going to University of Michigan. I think he mm-hmm. set a bunch of NCAA records there. I'm not really yeah. sure because I moved away. But I think he, he, I think he was Big Ten champ. And no, you know, he'd been wrestling all over the world. He was already a high school All-American all the time. And and he's going to the Olympics. His whole goal was to get to the Olympics. And by God, politics got in the way of the Olympics. And Jimmy Carter boycotted the Olympics. Mm-hmm. And Mark Chirella never got there. Yeah, it's awful. Because I, I had so much admiration for Mark Chirilla. And if, Mark, if you're out there, I've always admired you, and I've, I've always thought you're one of the greatest athletes I've ever been able to play football with and uh, and to see wrestle because he, he was quite something. Yeah, I mean, I, I just know stories. I mean, just – but he's a legend in wrestling. I mean, from what you're sharing, just his commitment to the sport and his willingness to pay the price to, to go for his dream. And, you know, it's uh, – yeah, that's definitely a shame that he didn't have that opportunity to compete on the, the Olympic stage and – and go for that gold medal because, I mean, man, that guy, he, he would have been a, a gold medalist in, in my book. I mean, he's just a legend for sure. Now, I, but I think that's one of the yeah. things too, right? It's like sometimes sometimes you don't really reach your goal, but, you know, there's always new goals to chase. You know, there, there's always a new mountain that you can climb. It's not just one and done. You know, there, there's more things you can go after. Yeah, and as as I touched on earlier, I needed to ha- have that encouragement back when, uh, when, when I did T2 because uh, – Instead of continuing to go and 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 working hard and kind of I kind of went the wrong way and uh, and I suffered for it for about a year and a half. It took me a while to get another job. You want you can't think that you've made it. You've got to keep going. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure Mark, boy, he'd be a fascinating guy for you to talk to if he if he's willing to talk to you. But I've I've never been able to talk to him about that. What what that must have felt like to have that. Yeah, robbed from imagine. you because then you've got another four years and how do you maintain that and how do you maintain your weight and how do you you know how do you get there again mm-hmm. but he his life went on i i know he went on to be a a wrestling coach i think at i think it was unlv or somewhere something like that but yeah inspirational guy yeah he definitely was and i mean you're an inspirational guy yourself mr patrick i mean just to hear your story and the challenges that you've gone through and you know, you're, I mean, you're living the American dream. And, and I know you're someone who, like me, you, you are a proud American. And I know you do a lot with uh, the veterans and you support the, the USO. And would you mind sharing a little, little bit about why you're so passionate about supporting, about supporting the veterans and just giving back? Yeah, well, it all goes back to my grandfather, that, uh, that larger-than-life larger grandfather that I have. And uh, he served in World War One, World War II, Korea. Uh, he had, uh, was still an active duty Lieutenant Colonel at Fort Bragg and, uh, during Vietnam and he died in 1963 of stomach cancer. And I think that, uh, going to Fort Bragg 
with him, you know, walking, holding the hand of the lieutenant colonel and walking around uh, Fort Bragg uh, uh, had an impact on me because I, I have memories of tall green trees and, and men in, in uh, olive drab uniforms jumping out of airplanes and American flags flapping in the wind. And it, it, it resonated with me as I was growing up and watching the Vietnam War on TV, like the rest of us, you know, on black and white TV, and and then seeing the way the veteran was mistreated, you know, on TV and the press, and uh, the way they were disrespected when they came home when the war was over, and the the ugliness towards the the Vietnam vet that was hurled at them by the citizens of the country that they'd been fighting for their freedom. It really impacted me. And uh, it's funny, through motorcycles and Harley Davidson's in particular, I've been able to ride with these Vietnam vets and uh, come out here to Rolling Thunder and, and hear their stories. Because when I graduated high school in 1977, there was no way I was going in the military. There was such a negative connotation in my mind that had been put there from the uh, the way the, the Vietnam vet was treated that uh, it uh, going into the military didn't look like a very appealing profession. Hmm. And I say that in all honesty because that couldn't be further from the truth. You know, uh, the reality is, is the military is a great uh, profession. And um, uh, I've spent the last 15 years coming out here to the wall and uh, welcoming home those those guys that are that, that that little bit older than me generation that went and fought and served and uh, fought for freedom for this country and and we're trying to help the South Vietnamese and uh, and welcoming them back and making sure that they know that I appreciate them. That has um, fallen into also me going on USO tours and being able to greet the troops in Iraq and. Afghanistan and all the other places we went to, uh, I think I did like nine of them. I'm not sure, wow. but to be able to go over there and and shake their hand and tell them thank you and you know this country loves you and we support you and I think that all goes back really you know that's where it comes from. I love the men and women of the armed forces and uh, what they do for our country and it's such a uh, uh, selfless thing they do and it's an amazing thing. You're absolutely right, and you know the way I see it, I'm blessed. I'm doing what I love now. I'm, I'm pursuing my dreams, but that wouldn't be a possibility. It wouldn't be a reality for me without those men and women who serve and and who sacrifice so much. And I think often, you know, we kind of overlook that as as a, a nation. But it's just so awesome to hear people like you who, who do give back and who support and who care and, and realize, you know, this this freedom that we have, these opportunities that we have, it does come at a cost. And there are people that that are paying for it, that are that are providing those opportunities for us. So. Uh, that's just a, such an amazing thing. Well, it's the least I can do, and uh, I am very inspired to do it, and um, we wouldn't be able to do the things we do. And, and so one of the things that I say to those guys when I'm over there is, you know, I'll go back and I'll ride my, my Harley from Los Angeles to New York for you and back, you know. I want you to know I'm, I'm, I'm taking advantage of the freedoms that you're fighting for, and uh, I'm going to make sure I – you know, uh, I use them to the fullest and enjoy it. And uh, I'm forever grateful. And 
this country is, I think, patriotic for the most part, you know, and I, I think that uh, I think that we have a a real genuine support for those in the armed forces. The armed forces, the percentage of people of the population, it's like 1.5, you know. Um, and I think we're we're a lot better than we were back when the boys were coming home from Vietnam, the boys and gals that were coming home from Vietnam, you know. Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, a draft situation. And now we have professional soldiers, and, and uh, I think we do a pretty good job. I think this country – we can always do better, I should say. Mm-hmm. The main thing for Rolling Thunder and this whole big event that happens out here in Washington, D.C., you know, that was started as a demonstration to make sure that the uh, the government was aware of the fact that these guys knew there were POW and MIA left behind in Vietnam. And uh, the, the soldiers wanted to uh, make sure the uh, government was aware that they knew it. And they came here and they started riding their motorcycles and coming here and demonstrating every Memorial Day weekend. By them doing that, by Artie Muller and Rolling Thunder and uh, guys like... Uh, New York Mike uh, from San Diego, who uh, come out, raise a ruckus. They got the government to take a look at the POWMIA issue. Lo and behold, we found that, uh, or they found that there was, that was an ongoing policy and that there was actually 84,000 men and women of the armed forces that uh, were either POW or MIA, and they didn't know what happened to them. Wow. So it wasn't just Vietnam. They found out, lo and behold, it was in Korea. It was in World War II. It was in World War One. And as a result of that, and as a result of these rolling thunders through the, the canyons of D.C., they've now got a policy where you know every man gets back. It's really neat to come to Washington, D.C. And, and to look on top of the White House and see the old glory and the POWMIA flag flying on the flag flagpole. Sure, That's a new thing. It's a brand new thing. So it's an ongoing deal, you know, uh, forever paying tribute to those that made the ultimate sacrifice. Like I said, you know, living that, living the dream. And I mean, man, I have this opportunity to, to interview Robert Patrick on a podcast and talk about, you know, overcoming life's obstacles. It's, it's, it's an, it's an amazing blessing, you know, and, uh, I don't, I definitely don't want to take those opportunities for granted. And, and I, I just appreciate those people, those men and women who, who sacrificed to let me have this opportunity. And I know you're a Absolute. guy, you know, I, I know you got a lot going on these next couple of days. So I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but uh, if it's okay with you, I know back in your wrestling days, I don't know if you remember uh, something called short time, you know, when, when the, the match was almost over, it's like 15 seconds left. Yeah. So I have, yeah. I have here for the, at this end of this interview, uh, short time questions. So four questions, if it's okay with you. Absolutely. All right. Sounds good, sir. So first question here, what's your favorite book? The Bible. I love it. Great answer. If you could give your younger self any advice, what would it be? Don't listen to the dark self that you have within you. <laughs> Stay the course. Is there a motivational quote or phrase that keeps you going when times are tough? Winston Churchill, never quit. And final question, Mr. Patrick. What does unstoppable mean to you? Relentless. Man, I love it. Mr. Patrick, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me and just you know sharing your story and just inspiring. It's been an honor. Anthony, I love you, brother. I'm, I'm very grateful to do it, and I look forward to meeting you, man. I uh, look forward to meeting you as well. And anytime you want to get some pull-ups in, just uh, hit me up. <laughs> if I get one, it'll be a miracle. <laughs> well, you take care, sir, and enjoy your weekend and, and uh, tomorrow. All right. God bless you, Anthony. You as well. Bye-bye. Bye. 
A great lesson that we can take away from Robert Patrick's story is that he was brave enough to take a shot at his dream when there are a lot of people who doubted him, who didn't think he would succeed, who thought he was crazy. You know what's crazy? Had he listened to the naysayers? Had he decided to call it quits and head back home when he found himself struggling to get his acting career going? He would never have become the T-1000, one of the most epic roles ever portrayed in a film. Unfortunately, at some point or another, we will encounter doubters, and that doubt might not only come from others, it could be self-doubt that you struggle with. So if you find yourself struggling to take a shot at a dream or to go after your goals, try this. Think about your goal. Come up with a realistic plan on how you will go after it. Assess the risk of pursuing your goal. If the risks are acceptable, then fully commit and relentlessly pursue what you want until you get it. Well, that's it for today, guys. This is Anthony Robles. Thank you for listening. Feel free to reach out to me on Facebook and Instagram at The Unstoppable Podcast. And feel free to email me at theunstoppablepodcast at gmail.com. Take care and remember, be unstoppable. Today's episode is brought to you by Safe Streets, the leader in smart home security and automation, and America's only ADT authorized provider. Safe Streets will help protect what you value most. To talk to an expert and get a free quote today, call 844-980-SAFE. That's 844-980-7233. The Unstoppable Podcast is a production of Anthony Robles Enterprises, LLC, in partnership with the Really Good Home Podcasts. I'd like to thank my sound editor, Laura Batista, my studio producer, Ben Wilkins, producer Katie Pulatunoff, my senior producer, Andy Frazier, and my agent, Gary Lewis. Special thanks in this episode to TriStar Pictures and Carol Co. for the great clip between Xander Berkeley and Robert Patrick from Terminator 2 Judgment Day, and composer Brad Fidel for his iconic score from that same film. Again, everyone, thank you so much for listening, and remember, be unstoppable.